were they? Why did they come? What did they leave behind? What do they want from us? The ancient astronaut theory provides us with some kind of a blueprint that allows for people to prepare for the imminent alien invasion from the planet Nibiru. You have to ask yourself, is it possible the Anunnaki may return one day and enslave all of mankind? And if they do, will they create an entirely new race of human-like alien reptilian cephalopods? The answer is a resounding yes. Now, it would behoove us to move forward and train for such a catastrophic event by purchasing maps anywhere at mapsy.com. Just remember, what we can't explain can't always be explained by aliens. If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, for the first 38 minutes, uh, we do our introductory conversation. We start out by talking about drone skiing. <laughs> That's right. You can go skiing and have a drone follow you around and take videos of you. Your old drone buddy. And then Adam tells us the stories about the videos that he made back in the day with a VHS. Let's see if we can resurrect those. That he had to return, get his money back. <laughs> my, my gangster video production. That's right. <laughs> then we talk about the Auto Blow 2. This is a, <laughs> <laughs> a blowjob blow. uh, AI machine. I can't believe that we're devoting time and resources. Look to out, boys and girls, to- competition. <laughs> That's it. Uh, then we talk about Adam's daily use of the Felix Gray glasses. They actually look really good on him. Um, he may have. Have you posted pictures of yourself handsome on your, as fuck on your mm. Instagram with one? Uh, it's not on. My, it's on the main page. Yeah, yeah, they're really, really nice. Mm. Uh, we are sponsored by Felix Gray. They're blue blocking glasses that you wear during the day. They don't change the color of things. If you go to Felix Gray, that's G R A Y glasses. FelixGrayGlasses.com forward slash mind pump. You'll get free shipping and free returns. And you won't look like a dork anymore. That's right. Then we talk about business in the digital age and how businesses now have to provide. A different level of value, including showing that they're helping other people, helping the environment. And so we mentioned Thrive Market. They're also one of our sponsors. Now, Thrive Market is one of the largest, if not the largest, online uh, marketplace for non-GMO organic products, including clean wine. Doug actually brought us some clean wine, organic, so clean, sulfite, uh, low sulfite wine. From Thrive Market. If you go to thrivemarket.com forward slash mind pump, you'll get a hookup. You'll get one month free membership and 25% off your first order. Uh, then we talk about the Golden State Warriors leveling up their game. Apparently, they beat the Bulls yesterday at halftime. I think they scored like 90 something points. Am I right, Adam? Yeah. Yep. 90 something points at Just halftime. Embarrassed them. I'm doing pretty good. Don't I sound like I know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> you could be an announcer. Then we get into the questions. The first question was How do I get my bench press to go up? Everybody wants to have a higher bench, so we talk about some techniques. We also mentioned a video that we did on our YouTube channel, Mind Pump TV, with Ben Pollock. He's a power lifter, and he breaks down the bench press and really teaches you how to maximize your strength through technique. Next question was, what are some good old-school bodybuilding exercises that we wish would be brought back? So we mentioned some favorites like the hack squat with the barbell and the sissy squat, and we talk about some others and their benefits. I like Mirren. The next question is uh, calisthenics versus bodybuilding. What are the benefits? 
What are the takeaways? Which one's better? Which one's worse? We have a debate. Uh, me and Adam on one side versus Justin, the calisthenic guy on the other side. Yeah, I'll take you guys on. <laughs> the final question. How do we feel about deceptive marketing at gyms where they tell you, you know, today's the final day every day and they seem to waive certain charges and lower the prices because the manager allowed it. You know, old school used car sales tactics. What do we think about that? Is it disappearing? Is it uh, a good way of selling or is it a bad way of selling? sleazy? Yeah. Also, hey, it's November. We have redone, reshot, and re-released what? our Maps Anywhere program. Now, Maps Anywhere is our equipment-free program. So it's a program designed for people who don't want to work out in the gym or who want to work out at home or want to work out on the road. It incorporates body weight movements. There is some band exercises in there, so it's not entirely equipment-free, but very minimal equipment. There's tension movements in there. We have amp sessions, which dramatically increase the intensity. This is not an easy workout. No. Just because you're not going to the gym. It's not a piece of cake. Does not mean that this is an easy workout. Uh, the results you get are comparable to what you would get at the gym with barbells and dumbbells. Uh, personal trainers love this program because of the programming. Yeah. Anyway, it's re-released. It's also 50% off, half off. All you got to do is go to mapswhite.com and use the code White 50, that's white and the number 50, no space, at checkout for the discount. Go check it out. You know what I watched yesterday with my kids? What? Sing. Oh, yeah, sing. The You know that voice you do? Yeah, the he's like it's like the pig from that. That's huh? you. I know. I didn't even realize that. You didn't realize that? No. Uh-uh. The voice that you make, the mushroom pot. Oh, How do you yeah, do? it's the mushroom potty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a pig in there that dances and stuff. Like, and, sing with me. Yeah, yeah, and it's exactly that voice. Oh, really? Yeah, I was watching my kids. Well, have like, you seen it, Justin? Yeah, I have. Oh, you long, probably, like a long time you ago. You probably stored it. You mean, yeah, exactly. That happens all the time. Oh, for sure. You know, it's tough. Like even like my robot voice and all. I'm like Nick Swartzen does. Like you know, I, I pull from him because mm-hmm. he's hilarious. And dude, that's just it, man. You get inspired by other people like to do silly shit. Have you seen the new Adam Sandler uh, special? On I Netflix? did. He's brilliant. Yeah, it was it was different. It was like all like songs. It's a performance. Yeah, he's really smart. I'm, I'm just excited yeah. that you're. Some of them were silly. Your worthless talent is now paying off. <laughs> are you talking? Oh, it's not worthless. <laughs> it's not anymore. Yeah, you're talking uh, about the commercials. Uh, finally, for, for 37 yeah. years of your life, it was a worthless talent. Wow. You you have this ability. So does my. It's funny. My yeah. uh, my best friend Justin. So not Justin Andrews, but my best friend Justin. Not not your friend. Your best friend. Yeah Justin. yeah yeah yeah. 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 Let's make that Justin. distinction. I appreciate that. <laughs> You know what I mean? No, it's just so people could separate the two of you that the, you, he has the same ability to r- recall a commercial jingle that yeah. we saw when we were eight, you yeah. know, for mm-hmm. Crest or something. And like, I he know. can remember the whole commercial. I'm like, how do you remember that? It's dude? a curse, you know? <laughs> is it? But, but now, I, I don't know. I guess people, you know, it's it's something I can this, bring up. This is why know, I laugh. Some when, knowledge. This is why I laugh when people are like, they, they want to ban like certain video games or whatever because it influences kids and everybody's like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't influence. <laughs> but then they spend I'm living proof. billions of dollars on advertising towards kids. Yeah. It's like, well, it does something. Oh, it you know worked. what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah. something being influenced with the you know with what kids ex- are exposed to all no, the time. I don't no. think we should ban them, but let's just be honest. No, no. You yeah. know what I'm saying? No. You know, speaking of banned things, I, w- I wanted to tell you, I was g- reading this article 
And you guys know that like drone flying is banned at a lot of places. You can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know that or not. Well, I know around stadiums, they're real strict. A, about a that. lot of places. It's res- yeah. it's that's the one shitty part about buying a drone and thinking you can just go fly it anywhere. There's a, the, all the cool places like national parks and like things that you would want like awesome views of. They're really like that. You get big, big big fines for doing that. One of the places that I've always thought would be cool, and so the, at this company, I forget the name of the company. I'll make sure that I get the, sh- the stuff for Jackie in the show notes. But I saw this. I think this is brilliant. So when you go skiing, these guys have got permits to do it for the resort. So they they, oh. they own the rights to the resort. And you go there. It's $50 to $150. I'm a skier. And I and I show up wow, and I smart. and I pay this company. They tag me and I get a private drone. It just follows yeah. follows me and I get all and, and within forty eight hours after I leave the resort. I right. get this fucking cinematic movie of my. I look pro. That's way better than your shitty picture after going down like the log ride. Yeah, or you know your I mean? or your friend carrying a camera, <laughs> carrying a camera and having to shoot you the whole time while you're doing stuff. Yeah, because we used to do that as kid when we used to snowboard and wakeboard. We used to, you know, one guy would be shooting the other guy. Yeah, yeah it was a big deal. And then we go edit it and do anything. These guys do this, fifty to one hundred and fifty dollars they charge. You go to the resort and then you get this badass drone. And let's be honest, if you're wa- even yeah, if you're walking, idea. you could walk down the street. If it's a drone filming you and they play music in the background, it, it just, looks awesome. It does. It <laughs> does. <laughs> Your own little built-in entourage. They yeah. were showing clips of like these people and they were they weren't even good at skiing, but it just looks cool. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's like so smart. That's man. exactly what I'm uh, saying. What a smart business, right? It, yeah, because uh. I told you guys I watched that movie mid '90s. Right? Oh, yeah. I told you guys about that. Did you, right. did you like it? No. You See, know, I told you, Justin, he didn't oh, like okay, it. Yeah, okay. No, All you know right. why? I thought you did. No, you know, do you guys remember that movie from the '90s, Kids? Yeah. Yes. Do you remember how disturbing yeah. and fucked up it was that was? Super controversial when it dropped. Very. Totally. So it's not that bad, but it's almost like he's copying that movie a little bit. It's uh, similar, and it's just, there's some disturbing parts. So it's kind of like that. So it wasn't really, I didn't feel like it was super original. It was okay. But in the movie, uh, you know, they're skaters, and one of the guys is always filming them with this little camcorder. Remember that was a big thing in the 90s? Oh, where yeah. Kids would film themselves Skate and shit like that. Skate videos was the big thing. Yeah. Today, yeah. yeah. One you of did. these days, I'll pull out my. Cass- Wait, you did? Bro, I have cassettes all the way back to cassette days. Of us, oh we used God. to do that. We not only we film ourselves, I didn't skateboard, we wakeboarded and uh, snowboarded, right. and we film, and then we go back and we edit. And th- I mean, I, I've been doing this since, let's see here, seventh, eighth grade. So do the math on how many years ago that is. And we would, the, the credits, the, cre- <laughs> <fuck laughs> the credits, we would have like a white piece of paper that we typed out our names and everything like that. And you film the credits like that. <laughs> Wait, you just we, move we, the paper down? Yeah, yeah. We would tape, we tape like <laughs> one guy would hold the paper oh, and wow. you would t- we would tape it all together and then the guy would film it coming down. <laughs> <laughs> But the, I mean, it's terrible. But we, uh, I mean, that evolved. I think I've told this story before where yeah. I, I went to, uh, this is really bad, right? So this is, we used to do this every single summer. We go out to this trip for uh, 10 days up in Trinity, Trinity Lake up there. And we'd wakeboard and we'd video ourselves for a week worth of riding. Then we'd come back and spend two weeks editing it all up. And then we'd have these cool little videos. And eventually when you know dvds came out it now became a dvd that we would make but i made this for every year for all the way from like eighth grade up until uh you know two three years after uh out of college and stuff like that that we did we were continuing to do this and when we were broke kids one of the things that the thing was to get like the new just like doug is you see how doug gets excited when new equipment you know Mm -hmm. comes out like oh the latest thing with that like we were for sure like this and we were but we were broke kids so like a camera like the ones that are in here 
I mean, these things were like thousands of dollars. Did they even exist? They, no, not yeah. even. And the yeah. quality was nowhere near yeah. that. But the best like ones were JVC, and you hold it like yes. over your shoulder yes. like this. Yeah. So we would go. Like, this is so bad. We do this. So on the way up, we we're heading up to you know Trinity, which is above Reading. So we're heading north. We would swing into like a Best Buy, and we'd buy the latest, baddest camera. But we keep all the tags and stickers. Oh no! On and then you return it. <laughs> and then we return <laughs> it on the way back from the trip. Oh my! Rip God. the file off of off of it. Return the camera back yes. in its box and everything. That's like that. brilliant. That's so bad. Though. You imagine you break it though. Yeah, well, no, you're fucked then, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, what we do, we, and every year- Just put on a credit card? We were afraid of that. Exactly. We put it on, one guy had to put it on his credit card, and we'd rotate. It was like, you're, you're taking the risk. You know, 3500 to four grand for a kid, that's a lot of fucking money. I'm like, so back then, you'd be like, this could be stuck with me for paying this how bill. Mad, how mad would you be if you were the sales guy at Circuit City that sold yeah, that? Like, to remember, you little punks. One of you fucking kids, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> He's like, yes, I just made my commission. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I Returned. Know. Actually got returned. Remember those? Remember Circuit City? Yeah. Talk about a company that went exploded and disappeared well, overnight. You well, know who all those. You know who was a part of that company that uh, he that was Carl Ebert who came over. Yeah. He was the CEO right before uh, right uh, with with them before he went over to Twenty Four. How did he do at Twenty Four? <laughs> about as oh, good as he did. It. About yeah. as good as he did at Circuit City. What a great great <laughs> track record. <laughs> do you know who used to sell? Uh, who used to sell stuff at, at Circuit City? He used to sell cameras and and you know TVs and that shit. Who? Who, who then worked for me? Who? Larry. Oh, Larry! Used Larry, to yeah, Larry used to sell it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Speaking of our, I was saw Jason. I went and saw Marcucci yesterday. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Shout out to our boy. He listens almost every day to the show. Yeah. Um, looking at buying a new car. Are, oh, would, you're looking at getting one? Well, dude, the the two of our vehicles are over a hundred thousand miles, man. So it's I'm I'm due. Dude, you got to check out CarMax. Sorry, Jason. Yeah. You got, <laughs> <laughs> just a little plug in there. Yeah, and Jason, now he'll hook you up too. But CarMax is it's oh, insane, I I bro. I, I bought stock dude. in him like. Five six years ago, My did you really? Yeah, yeah, did you make money on it? No, yet? when when was the big? Oh yeah, that's they're one of the ones I did better on. What are the? Uh, when was the big uh, um, New Orleans uh, hurricane? When was it? What was uh, oh, Katrina? Right? Which? Yeah. Uh, when was that? What year was that? Mm, I don't know. That's yeah. when I bought the stock. Okay. okay. Yeah, I bought the I bought the stock afterwards. I, I can't remember. I was reading this article and they were talking about, and it's so bad to do this, but I mean, one of the one of the quote uh, when there's blood on the street, there's money to be made. Mm -hmm. And after a big disaster like that in an area. You, no one thinks about it, but you know, probably forty thousand vehicles were destroyed. Mm -hmm. So now forty thousand people. There's a lot of demand. Right, insurance yeah, is coming in. They're, where do they go? And sure. like one of the quickest, fastest places at that time to get car buy cars was CarMax, and it was a growing business that time. So I bought stock. I saw that. I bought stock in it, and it was one of the one of the stocks I did well. Mm -hmm. and, and and maintained. I haven't looked at it in a long. No, time. No, but the prices are insane. What are you going to get? Do you know? Um, you know, Katrina is really hard up on us not getting rid of the Denali. And so she wants something again like that. And those things are fucking 80, 90 grand, dude. Yeah. They're, mm, they're, they're pricey. Not, yeah, they are. And so I'm having to, I'm they just, take a lot of and they, the gas. As I get older, I yeah. get stingier with my money, <laughs> you know? And so I, I'm like, I'm looking at him going, I really want, I really want a new one because what I don't want to happen is us being on one of our trips or doing something mm -hmm. and shit goes wrong. I'll be just, I'll be angry, mm. you know, because it's just, like it I, runs good though. Yeah. It runs, see, yeah, but it runs good, but it's at 135,000 miles, bro. Nowadays, cars last a long time, though. They do last longer, but yeah, it's getting up there. Dude, my dad has an Acura. What is it? Oh, I don't remember the name. Anyway, he has an Acura that's got 250,000 miles, 
and it drives beautiful. Now he takes care of it; he gets it serviced and all that stuff. Yes, yeah. See, I'm, I, but cars, you, I remember when we were kids. If a car had over a hundred thousand miles, you might as well throw it away. Yeah. Now new cars, they last a long time. They might be killing themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it depends on the car. But it yeah. does depend on the car. I you see Toyotas will go forever. Yeah, Acuras, Toyotas, yeah, those will yeah, last for but a lifetime. A, a Chevy, I mean, first of all, the Chevy trucks—it's almost guaranteed every eighty thousand miles you have you have to put a new tranny yeah. in it. So mm-hmm. there's a cool five thousand dollar bill right there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's that's how my head worked. Okay, I, I had to do. I already did a new tranny in the Denali. The Denali had a new tranny at eighty something thousand. So it's at one thirty. So within the next two years, a new tranny is coming again. And when that comes, that's going to be a five, six. I think it was yeah. six thousand I paid. Mm. So six grand that could be towards a down payment. If I sold it right now, I can get twenty for it. Right. So that's twenty six grand that I could put towards sure. a new one and not have to. That's sure, I think sure. more like that. Right. Sure. Versus like, do I need it? No. Can this one keep going? Yeah. yeah. But do do I also want to be driving down to San Diego with you guys? We're all loaded up in mind pump and fucking on the side of the road. Would yeah. be yeah. hella mad. It'd be almost yeah. as bad as the time we ran out of gas. <laughs> 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 yeah, that would never happen. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. the first time I'd ever been in a car I that know, ran out of gas. Not a new car. My entire life. Since, yeah, since, ever. since the 20th century. Think, yeah, yeah, think, yeah. think about that. Dude, I, I, I get bigger rims, dude. I saw this article that I posted in the forum that I thought was hilarious. Uh, the title of this article is The Blowjob Paper. What? Yeah. Scientists processed 109 hours of oral sex. To develop an artificial intelligence that sucks dick. Wait, wait. That's the title. 109 of- hours of them just watching blowjobs. Yeah, and uh, so what they did is they they de- they developed I something. Spent more time in science. They developed something called Autoblow Two, and it's a machine learning algorithm that continuously changes technique <laughs> in order to pleasure the user in new and exciting ways. Wow. Yeah, so they, they've watched uh, and annotated 109 hours of porn and hired machine learning engineers to create a model to take all that data and translate what are we doing? into what the toy looks like. And so they wrote a paper called the Blowjob Paper, um, and it's a study that's full of uh, algorithmic research what? to quantify common or typical movements involving oral sex. So what they did is they did a uh, what is that called when you try and raise money a Kickstarter or whatever? Oh yeah. They wanted they raised they raised fifty grand in like I don't know five hours. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny, right? Oh my god! The that's end funny. of the world is coming. I want to know like the most popular techniques. You know, yeah. Like, what, it, what stood out? They said uh, if they so they developed something called the Slider Man. That show so does this motion here the chicken head motion. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. that's a big uh, that's that's a that's a good one. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I guess that's popular. Or yeah, something I don't know. Or... I don't know. Yeah. How funny is that? That's hilarious, like, bro. God, what? of course. You know what makes me upset a little bit? Uh, you know what makes me mad is that we have all this human like potential brilliance. Yeah. and intelligence, and it's going and towards we just, things like that. Yeah, and we we like gear it towards the shit that we want, right? Which a lot of times is not really. I love shit it. We should I, want. I love it. It's free market. It's just going to elevate everybody's game. Yeah. What blowjob market? Yeah. You can't give a shitty blowjob anymore. That's I'll go true. get him. I'll go. I'll go pay for one. Damn. An automated oh. one. You gotta, step your, I, you gotta step your game up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. What are we gonna do? Betty bots got it down. Yeah. It's, gonna, it's gonna be competitive now. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> no, no more. None of this bullshit stuff. Yeah. <laughs> no more of that. Sh- none of the, No more of that like yeah. tongue around the head. You know. Stop. That's it. You know what I'm saying? You don't need to show us. Like taste it on what you're drinking, Adam. <laughs> what are you talking about? 
Just yeah. step your game up yeah, right now. We don't. Yeah. I'm so glad the podcast is just uh, audio those classes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Not, you didn't, nobody needed. To see I didn't that. have to. Everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Everybody's had a shitty blowjob. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's had that one where it's like, eh, just halfway committed. Dude, yeah. you you wear your your Felix Rays every day now. I fucking love them dude. every day. I I absolutely love them. Now, are you wearing them because of the effects or because of how they look? Because um, they do look good on you. So. I wear them based off of what I know I'm going to be doing that day. So if I know that I'm going to be on the computer or in my, on my seals, I won't wear them every single day. I'm wearing them today. I wasn't wearing them yesterday. Um, I'll wear them when I know that I'm doing a lot of computer work. Yeah, if I'm not and we're out and normal day and shit like that, not so much. But when we're staring at a screen, mm-hmm. I notice a difference how mm-hmm. I feel. It, I, I get like, and I don't know if you guys experience this or listeners that are listening right now, like. And maybe it's a fucking older age thing. I don't know. But I do recognize that when I sit down at a computer and I stare at a computer screen or I stare at my phone beyond three, four, five hours in a day, I get like this fatigue, lethargic feeling. I don't want to do anything all day. I'm I'm fucking lazy. I don't want to move. When I wear these, it doesn't do that. Yeah, it's the weirdest thing. So what I started doing is I started just putting them on. If I do that, like you said, but then I put them on when the sun goes down. I put them on, and then before bed I switch out to the hardcore so orange. That's what I do every day. Yeah. So every day I do wear them, and I'm trying to mimic the sun. Right. right? So every day when at home they they normally if I'm not wearing them they mm-hmm. sit right on my nightstand, and as soon as the sun goes down I go upstairs. I put because I'm watching TV or mm-hmm. I'm on a computer for sure at nighttime. So every day I do at least use them from 6 p.m. on, but I even wear them during the day if I know that I'm going to be doing I gotta get, computer. So they it. have like prescription ones for like reading too. So I got to get some of those because I'll, I'll switch them out with my prescription one because I can't, I literally, Doug will pull something up even on the TV screen. I can't fucking read it anymore. I'm just like, oh my God, dude, this the, is deteriorating for quickly. The, for the listeners, the TV screen's like- It's huge. Pretty much close to him. Yeah. It's, like right, <laughs> it's right next to his face. I mean, yeah. You know uh, right? Yeah. Might as well be able to like feel it like braille you know it's like it's pretty it's pretty much right there of, of all of the of all of your senses and whatever what have you noticed that's changed the most as you've aged as would it, you say it's eyesight no because i'm i've had mine he's lost he's, yeah i'm losing mine for sure memory yeah, yeah. memory really yeah. that's always been bad for me memory so. for sure i used to pride myself on like you know remember everything well and- let me ask you this when when do you are like you, are what you try is- and connect it to my weed smoking yeah because you, you didn't smoke weed as a kid <laughs> you're right you didn't smoke weed as a kid. no you're right I, I would i'm sure i mean come on let's of course it kills brain cells bro it's yeah. not fucking no 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 it doesn't yeah. kill brain cells that's that's inaccurate but what it does do is the the region of the brain the regions of the brain that are responsible for memory tend to atrophy with high uh, exposure to, to cannabinoids. But it's reversible. Once you go off, then the memory sharpness starts to come back. But it could take a month or two, a few months maybe. Mm. Yeah. I, I that's know. one of the main reasons why I don't, I don't I stop doing it every single day. Yeah. Every but is it, I thought there was some neuroprotective qualities to there are. CBD yes. and THC. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, there are. It's just, short, it's just the memory part. But yeah. you're right, Justin. So like if you're trying to prevent alzheimer's and stuff like that some cannabinoid use is probably a good thing no because i i mean when we started the podcast i i already knew right away my memory has just been terrible something i've always been trying to improve you know Mm. based off of like slamming my head into other helmets for you know years on end i'm sure that wasn't good for my brain 
but at the same time, like I felt moments of more sharpness, more like memory recall. Mm-hmm. Like I could, so it's interesting because it's, it's, it's on a very low dose, but then I don't think that the frequency of it should be like all, all yeah. that often. You just reminded me of something. There is uh, an Amazon Prime series right now with Jim Harbaugh, his, uh, his with the uh, Michigan Wolverines. Uh-huh. And I, it, it's, oh, I miss him as a coach. You know, it's it's really cool. It's a cool little series. It's it's last year's uh, team, <clears throat> but what it did because right now I just I don't have the time to watch all the sports that I used to love to watch before. And one of the things that have fallen to the wayside is college football. I just I can't keep up with college football, professional sports, everything. But now I'm like so intrigued to watch <clears throat> the Michigan Wolverines because I feel like I know all the players because I've watched this reality show that was them last year. So it's all the same players that were on the team last year. That's so, like that HBO series, right? The one where you follow the the, the, the pro team. Like uh, I got I, into the Bengals because I followed them through that. Season. So it may. I'm wondering. I would love to see the s- statistics on this, and I, I and I wonder if this is going to become a a model for teams in the future. Because I would think that would drive more fans, more people watching it. You know who mastered that model? Who yeah. kicked it off hard? Boxing and all the fight, the well, fight, no, fight game. Even yeah, before, game. even before all that, uh, if you really want to look at uh, who who really maximized that model, it was American Idol. American Idol had these. They designed a model where they would for sure guaranteed themselves a star who's going to sell a shit ton of records, mainly because you followed them from the beginning uh-huh. of the creation. They literally created that show. You're watching them come in. You know, you're, you're rooting for your favorite person. You vote them in, they win. You know their first album's going to sell, sell a shit ton. It's like a media machine. It was yeah, brilliant. I wonder when, what year that was. And then Oscar, That's old. It's been around uh, for yeah, a long time. Well, Oscar De La Hoya did this. He's the So Golden Boy Productions is the one who started it with the fight game. So the fight game- Where they do the whole like video- Like leading up it. to the fight. Yeah. Like where you- know, like I, I started- well, there, was a, there was a probably a good- this, I don't know which one was first, American Idol or, or Golden Boy Productions. Doug, maybe you can look that up. Um, but he started doing this a, well, quite some time ago where they would start- to show the fighters' lives and their training, and I would I would watch a fight that I didn't even give two shits about because I watched the hype leading up yeah, to it's it like and a compelling story. Going yeah, because you, you you feel like so sixteen seasons of America, two thousand two, and then show me when uh, Golden Boy Productions was was started. Well, we don't know when Golden Boy started that though. That the was production. How, I believe that's when he started. Well, you could, from you could, day one. Yeah, I think that's I think that's why he started mm. it. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a proven model. If you if you get people invested by following along with your progress or whatever, you're pretty much. What wasn't the Ultimate Fighter? What really propelled oh, the same UFC? same time, huh? Yeah, 2002. But I mean, uh, you know, here's the thing: like, uh, it, it's brilliant. It's br- it works with anything. Anything you do, yeah. if you get an audience to follow along, you're going to pretty much guarantee a, a, you know a, a more fervent fan base, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's. That's yeah, that's, that's been the model. No, it's it's smart, right? I mean, I, that's so I'm wondering if that's going to be the future is now you're going to start becoming more interactive with your favorite sports teams because there will always be a mm. reality show. I think so. Yeah. I think so because media now is so uh, – the barriers to enter are so low that anybody can create a video, put it on YouTube or social yeah. media. Anybody can – Yeah, they're already doing that anyway. They're, they're you know, throwing whatever they want on Twitter and, you know, all these other social platforms. It's like <laughs> you might as well uh, put some production behind it and, you know, that way you could follow your favorite yeah, yeah. players and team. Well, media – new media is changing things in such crazy well, – you know, the other night I was – who was I talking to? I forgot what I was talking to. I think it was my, my brother or my cousin – and we were talking about how how funny it is 
where if I took a celebrity, like if let's say I took, I don't know, Beyonce, and I told people, and I took 100 people and I said, okay, Beyonce made 125 million, I don't know how much she makes, but I'm just going to make up a number. Um, Beyonce made $125 million last year. Do you think she deserves that much money? And most people would say, yes, absolutely, no problem. If I took a CEO from a company that nobody knew, and I said, you know, John Smith is CEO of so-and-so, you know, manufacturing company, and he made $15 million last year or whatever, do you think he deserves that? You get a lot of people say, no, no, That's CEO shouldn't hilar- make that much money. <coughs> Hilarious to me. Now, you know the, why? That's somebody who's never ran a company before. Well, be, okay, but forget that. You're right, 100%. Silly. Because you, can you... No CEO or nobody who's ever ran something that big would ever agree yeah, with that. Right, right. You don't want that. Right. Job. You're a hundred percent right. But my point with that is the reason why people think Beyonce earned her money and it's and she deserves all this wealth is because they feel like they know her. They listen to her music, uh-huh. they see her on social media, and they think, oh, she's so awesome, I like her, whatever. These CEOs or these people, they're nameless. You know, for example, you watch uh, again, Beyonce, or you watch, you know, whoever, and you watch them on their yachts, and you watch them celebrating with all this money and whatever. Nobody's thinking to themselves like you, elitist, you, whatever. As soon as it's an executive of a company that nobody knows, they, everybody gets pissed off, and it's because they feel like they know these celebrities, mm. and that's why they're okay with it. Well, I feel like with new media, that's going to become a strategy for a lot of these people. It's going to become a strategy for these companies to. Get you to know. Wasn't that what Gary scene? V is? Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, like he just kind of that's made what, himself a, a celebrity. That's what makes him brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. That's what made him. What's? I mean, that's going to be the future. That's you know? the future. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. if you're if you're a CEO of a big company and it's important for that's like your PR. It's very important that you get people feel like they know you. You know, I I, I go back and forth on that too. I think it I think it depends on your like okay like for example. Give me the CEO of Netflix. Yeah, I don't know. You don't. Yeah, none of us know, know, right? But that's a product in a company that's continuing to explode and blow up. It they, is. They provide something for everybody. It that, is, but like, Netflix is still a new enough company to where people, you know, people are like, oh no, I value Netflix or whatever. But let's just say I, I wrote an article and I said Netflix CEO earned seventeen million dollars in two thousand eighteen, uh, but the their average, uh, but they pay their you know their their. The porters or whatever minimum wage. People get all pissed off about it. <laughs> That's hilarious. You see what I'm saying? Because they don't know they don't know who he is. But if everybody knew him, if he had his own media, uh, you know, social media, whatever, and people kind of feel like they know who he is, nobody really gets pissed off. And it's an interesting. It's a human psychology, but I do think it's going to be a valuable strategy, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. <clears throat> it's it's interesting to discuss, and I like the I like the debate of it because I don't know which side I, I sit on that completely. I I'm think, with you. You know what I mean? I just yeah. feel like it's going to be a new... Because I'm always pushing us it's in the direction. strategy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's definitely a strategy and I think it's... And I think Gary Vee is proving the model and I think he's showing that you can, but I don't know if it's for everybody. I think you have to be charismatic. Yeah, like, you have to have that. Or otherwise... <laughs> it, <laughs> limelight attention. A dickhead. You know? yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, you got to be something No, to think you. about it. I mean, like, distinctive. again, like I throw out the Netflix CEO just because I knew nobody would know who that was right away, but what if he's just kind of dry and what if he's not right you know like he's you don't want to follow him and he's not interesting that Just could potentially hurt the company yeah. but what if yeah. he's brilliant behind the scenes of running an organization and and that's why he's in that position well, what so. if the future of these companies because m- new media is really breaking barriers and connecting people to these untouchables or whatever you want to call them in ways that we've never seen before what if it becomes a company strategy to put a very charismatic 
you know, well-spoken, you know, good-looking, whatever person as CEO doesn't really do much though. The people running the company are the, the shadow people nobody knows. Yeah. But this this is our front person. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like our president. Who, well, that's a yeah. that's a very very interesting theory, and probably the way it will be. You're probably yeah. there. I mean. You could probably argue that that kind of happens right now. I mean, a lot of people said that about Steve Jobs. Like they said yeah. that he was the face of Apple, but it isn't necessarily the full brilliance behind Apple. Mm-hmm. That there's these other, you know, Wozniak was more of the was more of the guy that was actually responsible for so much. Sure. So I bet that's already happening more than we even realize. Right, it. Like, right, you right. know, that's he's the PR guy. He's when he gets on camera, he speaks really well. Yeah. He presents the company really well. I mean that's I think that's more more common. It's because public opinion is getting so interesting. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and media it changes all that. So it'll be it's fascinating for me. I, I, you know, sometimes I'll sit down and think about all the different ways that it could potentially change mm. uh, how we do business. Um, I mean, one of the one of the ways right now that we are already seeing the way that they're you know changing the way that uh, business is being done is that companies now it, it, it's becoming very marketable to show that you're charitable. It's becoming very marketable now to show that you care about things aside from just producing a great product and making a lot of money. Oh, I remember when we were starting to do business with Thrive Market, that was like a big thing that they were they wanted to speak to us about. They wanted to find out where our vision and long-term game was because that was so important to them. That was one of the things why we liked the CEO so much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Was like they were like, "Okay, it's you know, it's one thing to do advertising with you guys, but we also want to see your long-term vision." And they were sort of going above and beyond what other companies were doing by having these built-in programs where they would like give, you know, uh, certain amount to like a to low income families. low income families and they, that was all built into the fabric of their company which we thought was amazing. Well, that's what I mean. It's it's that's part of the new way to do business. It's like you have to have a good product. Yeah. You have to have smart business and you also have to look like or at least show that you care about, I don't know, the environment or that you care about people who you know need now, people in need and I, stuff like that. And, and I also have kind of two opinions on that too because I also I think that's great. I think it's good. It's good. It, it drives uh, competitiveness. It's now the new standard for businesses. But I also, you know, fuck man. Some consumers can be really tough to demand that, like expect that. That you know, like hey, I want this awesome product, and then I also want to know that you're giving to all these people. It's like, <laughs> but then don't go bankrupt, right? You know I mean? it's yeah, like, that's oh, what I mean. Shit. It's yeah. like, man, that's a lot of that's a lot of pressure to do that. I mean, even when we first started, we we've talked. And Sal, you've been talking about this since day one. But it's like, man, we we are barely getting the place where we can pay all the people that are attached to us, much less go around and give all the profits away to, you know. I mean, we got to grow, right? You mm-hmm, have to get to a mm-hmm. point. So some of these companies like Thrive Market, it's you, like Justin said, the fact they were able to build it in as they grow, I think was is fucking amazing. You yeah, know? it's it's it, but it's the new it's the new way. It's pretty it, it's fascinating to me. But it does cost. Here's the thing: you you end up paying more for now. And a company like Thrive Market. Uh, because they're virtual, they can do things that companies couldn't do before in terms of giving right. away free memberships. They and cut out a lot of middlemen. Cut out a lot of middlemen. So it's, I can't wait to the point where society uh, puts pressure on celebrities uh, in ways that get celebrities to act uh, a little bit differently. Like celebrities are, they always have these opinions that they want to express their political <laughs> opinion or express what they. The people they live in a fucking bubble. Yeah. You know these 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 musicians and actors and actresses, they they live in a bubble. They have no idea how everybody else lives, and they're always giving their opinion. And they've got a lot of influence. It's like they need to shut up. And I wish we put more pressure on them to, to you know to do that. Well, I think I think politicians are so good at manipulating famous people. I mean, let's be honest. Trump <laughs> Trump is working Kanye oh, West right God, now. Oh my God, that was. I mean. 
yeah, hate it, love it, whatever, pro him, know him. At the end of the day, like that's such a you know smart how, strategy. Do you know how much a, that terrifies the Democrats? <laughs> of course, oh. dude. Terrifies them because it's, talk about a gangster move. If dude. the de- if the Democrats don't win something like eighty five percent of the black vote, and I, I don't, I'm not quite sure if that if I'm right with the number, but I know it's a it's a high number. If I think it's a high. They I'm lose. Like the same thing. They lose. They have to win this this huge percentage of the black vote. And you have Kanye, you know, hanging out with 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 Trump. You have Candace Owens, who's this black Republican female who's very smart. She's she can be very brash sometimes also. And and you've got, you know, Trump speaking at the young Republicans, you know, convention of uh, you know, black voters. It terrifies the Democrats because that's their like, this is our guaranteed voting block. They're not going to go anywhere else. But if some of them go over to the other side, it's funny. That's where they get. That's why I like watching politics. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's sports for nerds, man. It is. Yeah. It's, it's sports, my sports, dude. The, it is sports for nerds. manipulation going on there. It's yeah. sports for nerds. It's interesting. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. I won't vote for either side either Speaking way. Speaking so. of sports, I know I don't get a chance to talk about it very much, but holy shit, last night, the Warriors, dude. So at the end of like a, a half, a halftime, so let me fill you in, Sal, so you kind of get what this, like what the, how crazy this is. A good halftime score of a basketball game for the pros is like, 60 to 50. I was going to say 50s. Yeah, yeah 60. 50, 60 points. Like that's a, that's a, and a crazy is like 70, mm-hmm. 80, unheard of. The Warriors scored 91 points at half, at halftime. Dear God. At what half, did they end up with? Oh, I think we, I think we, well, by that time we put all the, the fourth string this in. It's not even but we fair still anymore. Like 131 points. How much did they beat the other team by? 40 points. Oh, that's, yeah, not, it was, that's crazy. Oh, it was, I mean, they were beating them by 40 going into halftime. I mean, 90, it was like 90 something to 50. So it was yeah. just ridiculous what they did last night. That's so demoralizing. It's, oh, it, it's so fun to watch them. Do they have a mercy rule in pro sports? No. no. <laughs> I mean, the, you know what the mercy rule is? And kind of like yeah. what, as a pro, what you do is you 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 put your- You well, put the bench in. You put the bench in. But the know? bench is still awesome. Yeah, the bench is still- Good yeah, luck there, with right them. there. 149 yeah. to 24 was what the final was. So uh, that that doesn't tell the story. Right? Yeah, it doesn't look as yeah, crazy. Because you figured 90 of those points came in the first half yeah of that's it, so. and that's like you said that's them putting in their fourth string yeah look at this look at the, the quarters you see the quarters broken up 44 oh 48 God. 33 and then 24 on the last yeah one. isn't it like some people get all mad and huffy about that like oh well they're ruining the the league and it, you know to me it just shows that the, they're elevating the the abilities of everybody like, I, everybody needs to step up i respond i responded to this on my instagram the other day someone asked that question what do i think about the warriors ruining the league and i said why I would think, they ruin the league i don't I, get no, it i've heard that it's because crazy. because they have acquired they have this has never been done in history before. There's five yeah, acquired another superstar all stars yeah. on one team. <laughs> oh. So a lot of people are That's like the game, dude. Well, well, as an organization, okay, because I have a lot of. This is why I always hated the Yankees. Just so you know, organization yeah. and leadership to me in professional sports is everything. Uh, there's and uh, there's people that debate this. Some people would argue with me and say that you know talent acquisition is everything, and I would debate it because I believe in organization and leadership, and so we could have that debate. But I think that you cannot be mad at an organization being very good at their job. Their job is to acquire the best player for the cheapest price. Yeah. And because they're better than everybody else they're at it. They're willing to play on that team, you know, at a lower cost because they know like it's so stupid. the opportunity. It's so for stupid them. to me where we're like, be really, really good and oh but not too good. Oh, but, not, but yeah, but yeah. I want you guys to have all the yeah. How about everybody else get better? Yeah. yeah. That's what it does. That's what it is. Everybody is now modeling or not everybody, but many teams and organizations are trying to yeah. model 
after the and this in this if you look at the history of sports someone's always the rabbit this is there's always there's always a yep. team that kind of separates yeah. themselves out and that's what it's e- like that with any competitive market it's what it evolves the game yeah. all of a sudden i mean we you you get uh you you look all the way back in the history of any sport like whether it be football basketball baseball and all of a sudden a team comes up with something you know billy bean and baseball started to analyze analytics like nobody has and and then, and then now everybody models it after that or you know all of a sudden a team decides this happens with oh, everything every yeah, sport we got the red Sox it, finally out of the hole in the olympics you know when people what's the high, the, the high jump where they have to jump over the pole what's that called is it a high jump pole mm-hmm. vaulting pole yeah, vaulting halt, but not the pole yeah. vault it's just oh, a yeah, high, the high jump, high jump. Yeah, that's what it is. you know they used to jump over that thing forward right they'd leap over oh yeah and, and then went backwards and then approach. someone just yeah. decided i'm going to try doing this backwards and then that's the way Kick everybody's legs up and boom yeah everything anything any competitive market and this is in business as well somebody's gonna kill everybody and that's a good thing it is because it's gonna raise everybody else is gonna have it to is. do better that's how and that's how i feel it's like you know and everybody who hates let I'm them like, dominate you're just sour because it's not your team you yeah know what that's what it is you're it's just the mad tribal aspect right, of it. right. you're like, just ah, bad because yeah. our team figured it out first <laughs> how long have they been dominant for now it's like the Patriots. Uh, the last six years man we've been pretty dominant is this the law lo- they're going on it this year we'll- would you be able to compare them to the the when the bulls were dominant in the 90s after this year yeah. you will be able to okay. so dynasty a three. The Bulls did. The Bulls did three and three. Jordan took off two years, came back and did another three. Mm-hmm. So a three peat is the biggest. If they do four, they'll set, no, the, they'll rank. set the no record. one, no yeah. one. And then you go back to the Celtics. I I, I shouldn't say that because if you go all the way back to the Celtics era where they did eight, didn't they do? Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's a big deal. Okay. But, but things are a lot different now. If they once they get this three peat, they'll be in the conversation of the best teams ever. That have ever played the game, I think they're already there, arguably. Yeah. But after this three P, awesome. yeah, and I know I'm talking like they're yeah. going to win for sure, but everything, nothing's uh, yeah. ever for we'll sure. See. Looks like Doug's got something for us. Is that wine? Why does it say wine? Um, <laughs> Thrive Market has clean wine now. What? Oh. Oh. Gonna, I was drinking gonna, dirty wine. It's going to be for so our mind good. pump uh, Thanksgiving. Yes, it is. Oh, good call, Doug. Well, we could we could crack one open now. <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> we, we could, could try it out yeah. for sure. Yeah. So this, what does clean We're wine mean? Well, a lot of it's uh, from outside of the country, grown in in places that don't use a lot of chemicals. Pass that around, Justin. They don't add a lot of things and to this it. Is, and you just got this from Thrive Market, so they yeah. So they have a premium Model box. Back. You can get get oh, whites or reds. I got the box yes. of six reds, the premium box. All right, we got. Uh, oh, this looks good. Stuff from France. The Racomelli. Excellent. We've got stuff from uh, yeah, some more stuff from France. Well, there you France. go. Clean, clean booze. Clean booze. And what is it? it? So it's organic. Is that what it is? I don't know if it's organic, but they do source very clean wines, and I don't know what their criteria the is. I should have done some research. Yeah. Well, you know, they don't get sprayed with a bunch of stuff. Oh uh, yeah. We so don't. I don't need to see any more. Pesticides. Of them. Look amazing. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like mainly they're from France. It'll be interesting to see how this tastes. Because remember when we tried when we were at Paleo, we tried that wine that was. Uh, I don't want to shit on the company, but yeah, we, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, I was not impressed with that wine. Mm. I, w- I didn't think it was. Uh, now, now, do you know the? Do you are you like a wine? I would not consider myself a wine connoisseur, okay. but I definitely have had enough wine to know when wine tastes. What are like they shit. called sommeliers or whatever? <laughs> The ones right. that are like do it for people a who are experts. Yeah, people yeah. from Somalia. That's that's no. that is a challenge. <laughs> yes, that is the challenge with wine. Is you get these organic wines that are supposed to be so good, but they don't taste great. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we'll see how these do. And uh, you know what it reminds me of is you know uh, that's kind of like how you have to judge butcher box if you don't know better either. Like if you give a cow 
a bunch of fucking grain that's full of sugars and you don't and the other ones are grass fed they're going to get the fat is going to taste different mm-hmm. on the on the cow so mm-hmm. you can't take a grass fed beef and compare it to some no. some regular steak Go grass fed to grass fed man there that, that, dude grass fed on its own and what i've tasted is so tough and it's but you know like you know there's a different sort of uh you know when you when you eat it and consume it you kind of taste the difference of it as far mm-hmm. as how it makes you feel but yeah butcher box the only one where it's like tasty and you feel that that's good what feeling. I, and that's what i mean by that like yeah. it's you know that you're you know you're getting something good and clean but then at the same time too it actually tastes pretty good so that's how i feel about the wines is i the ones that i have tasted that are quote-unquote organic or really good for you i've tasted them i've been like oh. like not like added sugar to it and all that did like, we get any white wines. wines or are they all red doug all red oh, okay i like whites oh do you yeah. not sorry because yeah. you like a chip i like probably red. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You like, you like a mixture no like the, the sweet one i don't even yeah. like the dry one <laughs> yeah. i like like the riesling <laughs> I like yeah. the dessert ones the, the, they're my favorite yeah, yeah. tastes yeah. like candy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> by MAPS Anabolic. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, MAPS Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpromedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Quiqua. Our first question is from R. Lewis7991. Any tips to increase bench press strength? How to get your Ooh. bench up. Let's this was bench up. This was like, it's I'd like say- the gold standard yeah, for strength. I'd say like the first, I don't know, five years of my lifting career when I was 14. This meant like, everything. Like, yeah, yeah, 90% of my studying went to getting more- We might as bench. well have had trading cards, you know, like with your friends. Yeah. Like, yeah. This was the measure Ben could bench 400, yeah. dude. How much could you bench? Yeah. Uh, so bench press considered one of the foundational uh, exercises uh, for the upper body. I wouldn't say it's the most uh, functional, but it's definitely one that people like to- improve upon and, and it still is a, a yardstick people still use the bench press up there with the squat and deadlift and maybe to a lesser extent the overhead press in terms of how strong they are uh you know tip number one bench press frequently this is something that i learned yeah. later on it took me a long time to learn i was i think i was 21 years old and up until this point uh the most i had ever benched at 21 was 315 that was my max and i remember this trainer that i had working for me who had a 400-pound bench press, and he told, and I asked, we would talk about this, and I remember I was bigger than him, but he could bench more than me, mm-hmm. and I asked him, I said, how did you get your, your bench to go up to get up to 400 pounds? He goes, to be honest with you, because he was a trainer, he says, what I started doing was in between clients, I would just put 225 on the bar, and I would just do a few reps here and there, nothing crazy, no crazy intensity, so I was just benching every day, several times a day at like a moderate intensity. And I remember thinking like, that sounds crazy. It didn't make any sense to me, but I tried it. And so what I started doing was I started bench pressing uh, about four or five days a week, uh, varying intensities, many times low intensity, sometimes moderate and sometimes high. And my bench press went from 315 to 375 Mm -hmm. in a matter of months. It was like fast. My strength went through the roof. And so that's the first thing I would and say. And that's hard, oh, I think that's the hard best to advice. do when you're you've been at a point for a long time. That's a big jump. That's a huge jump. It's a yeah. sixty pound weight, you know, weight jump. Yeah. I would say that's the most important thing is the increase the frequency 
in terms of how often oh yeah then uh, you're you teaching press. your body the actual skill of that movement and your body like really responds to that uh, quicker and it, it it allows uh you know more force production in that that specific area too and so i would i would go through that same process of like you know just frequency is a number one but then also um you know just a little bit of uh variance there so for me i would i would do like pause reps and 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 change it up in terms of like you know where i was trying to focus on squeezing and generating more force and also just the form and mechanics of it and how to improve on that with getting you know more of my body involved in tensing up my whole body before I go to press. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, strength is strength is more uh, technique and skill than it actually is the amount the ability of your muscles to contract with force, believe it or not. Yeah. Now they're both extremely important, right? You have to have muscles to contract and produce force, but your technique and skill in what you're doing matters as much in my opinion matters more. Let me ask you a question. So when did you f- figure out that using, you know, pressing your feet into the ground really was going to contribute to uh, your bench press. Oh, I, I learned that when I started bench pressing frequently, because as I was bench pressing frequently, I started to, when you bench press a lot, one of the reasons why you get stronger so quickly, besides the fact that it trains your muscles differently and allows them to get stronger, is you just get really good at the t- technique. Right. You get really, really good at the technique of that particular lift. I mean, imagine if you bench pressed all the time. And by the way, I want to make make this point here. It, the intensity uh, you have to monitor it. If you bench press a lot and you bench press hard a lot, you're not your bench press is not going to go up. You're going to probably hurt yourself or or maybe even tear something. Right. One of the one of the biggest game changers for me was this. So I, and I don't know if you guys fell in this category, but I know a lot of people listening are for sure like this. Incline is harder, and so because of that. As a young boy, I would avoid it most of the time. And then I would do it because I know I was told you got to do it. And so, but I used to hate being able to bench like 225 and then having to go over to incline and drop all the way down to like one plate. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it, so I would I would not do it as much because of that. Again, my ego getting in the way of my lifting and, and my, my growth in my program. And so I would infrequently do incline because I knew I needed to do it, but I didn't put a lot of effort towards it. Not that long ago, so this was only about five, six years ago, did I say, I'm going to get my incline as strong as my flat. And I, if that means I do hardly any flat ever, I'm just I'm going to build my incline. And so that was all I was lifting for a really long time. And then when I went back to flat bench, I saw a huge yeah. jump on the flat mm-hmm. bench. Yep. And I actually caught my, my incline up. I got to a point where I was matched, where I was doing about 315 on incline and 315 on the flat. And then I get to a point where I could do 375 on the flat. That was the biggest transition I ever I ever went through in building my bench press up was actually putting effort towards the incline because the front of your shoulders and the upper part of your chest plays such a big role in their, your bench strength. Mm-hmm. And a lot of guys tend to lean towards the flat and the decline because they're naturally stronger because of the leverage mm-hmm. and the angle. So if you're listening and you kind of do incline or you occasionally do incline, like try making incline a priority over your flat bench and watch what that does. Yeah. How about the first time you re- re- you recognize that activating your lats would help you bench more? Yeah. Yep. I remember reading that and thought that was crazy. I'm like, the lats pull. Why the hell would I want to <laughs> yeah. activate my lats? But it just stabilizes the fuck out of you. That's what it was. Yeah, it just stabilizes your upper body and allows you to generate more force I mean, if you want to bench more, 
really look at the technique and form of powerlifters. Powerlifters are the bench, best bench pressers on, oh, in the world. The, the video that Ben that Ben Pollock did for us is great. Mm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You want to get in? He did a great YouTube video on it. It's a little long, so those that hate fucking YouTube videos that are longer than two minutes. You know, it's but that's just it. He got into all the little details of his setup, how he activates his lats, how he gets his feet planted. And if you want if you want a good video on how to really improve your bench press, that was a great video he did with him. Yeah, and to kind of emphasize that point of stabilizing your shoulders and really getting that uh, established going into, you know, increasing the amount of load you can place then in, the, in your bench press is substantial. Like for me, just uh, doing experimenting on my own and um, that was a big deal for me was to, to get my bench press to go up. So I also would do dips like constantly. I was mm-hmm. That was my thing was just like dips. But I started doing ring dips and I wasn't just doing ring dips to get them done. I was doing ring dips to see how far in depth I could go in terms of like getting down and then being able to generate force and press my way back out of that, which uh, actually like increased my ability, uh, you know, as far as like my strength on the bottom part of the bench press. So now all of a sudden I had a lot more force production from that point of the lift, which was everything for me. So, and I didn't even put that together till way later that that contributed to Yeah, I would say another thing that probably kills people's bench press uh, strength is going to failure far too often. Mm. Lifting to the point where they can't lift anymore. I, I would say this, if, if you go to failure every time you work out, simply stopping a couple reps short of failure you can watch your you'll watch your strength go up right you'll watch it happen within a couple weeks right away well that's that speaks to your point you made about like powerlifting i mean when you look at powerlifters they almost never go to failure no yeah i mean they're they're, the meat the meat is when they're when they go compete they're not even doing like 80 percent. no yeah most it's all technique 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 Mm -hmm. and so if you approach your bench press the same way but again this is and that's why i give the tip about incline like there's so many things that drive us to do stupid things in the gym, ego-wise, because we want to look cool. Because I want to get in the gym and I want everyone to see that I can throw three yeah. plates on there and you want to hear it fucking jingle when I fucking press versus really thinking about my programming and is this the smartest thing to do? Like, no, I already fucking lifted really heavy on Monday. Here I am Wednesday and here again. I should do bench again, but... I should be nowhere near the intensity mm-hmm. that I was on Monday. I should regress it all the way back to really light and co- concentrate on the techniques that you're talking about yeah. right now with activating your lats and controlling and driving through your feet. And this is why powerlifters are so good is they stay disciplined to these things like technique and form and they, they, and they do master it. master the process. Yeah, and they do it at yeah. such a light weight. Yeah, it's not their, nowhere near their max, but they're getting good at it. And I think that that's a, a great piece of advice too. I really, really also like uh, variable resistance for the bench press. Mm-hmm. It works really, really well. Same thing with the squat, but bench press has to be one of the, my favorite exercises to use uh, bands. I love using bands with the bench press. You, you put a couple bands at the end of the bar with your weight uh, and make sure the weight is lighter because the bands are going to add resistance and you take that bar off the rack and you bring it down of course as the band stretches out the resistance gets harder so as you press the bar up the top part of the bench press is heavy at the bottom it's light and weights don't do that weights weigh the same at the bottom at the top but you know your strength curve isn't isn't that way your yeah. strength curve you're typically stronger 
at the top than you are at the I bottom. I actually use chains a lot. Yeah, chains are really good yeah, for that too. I actually prefer chains with the bench press for some reason, just because of this. The, it just feels better in terms of like how it all kind of plays out. But sounds cool. Too. I know that too. Like you know, there's there's these shirts and there's different um, uh, sort of slingshot you know things that you can get that that gives you sort of elastic energy potential. Um, that kind of helps do exactly what you said. So yeah, there's options like that out there. Uh, it's definitely something to uh, mess around with and, and play with in your program. Yeah. So you know, here's a kind of a general way to bench press frequently. You know, if you let's say you bench pressed uh, three days a week, one of those workouts should be pretty hard, and the other two should be focused more on technique, and that's pretty much it. Maybe one of them light and focus on speed, and that's kind of a good general area to start. Uh, if you want to increase your, your bench press strength. You guys are wondering why Thrive Market calls them clean wines. Yeah. Here's the reason. Organic, biodynamic, or sustainably farmed grapes sourced from small and mid-sized producers curated by a master sommelier for taste. No pesticides that ever. Was, was right. No added sugar. Low sulfites. Wow. Oh, so low sulfites and organic. No okay. added sugar. And tasted by a, a Somalian. Somalian approved. Yeah. Excellent. All right. He's really thirsty. Next question is from Michael Salzel. What are some old school bodybuilding exercises that you guys think need to be brought back? Uh, I'll throw one out there right away. I love that. That Sal introduced to me that I had never seen before until him, and I love to incorporate, and that's sissy squats. Mm. Sissy squats are such a dope. I love doing them too. I I really like to do. I once you get the form down and you understand like. Because here's why I like them so much, aside from the fact that they fucking will blow your quads up Mm -hmm. and they trump a leg extension all day long. But the most important part is that where you have to keep your hips. And so I love that because when you sit in a leg extension, you're going to sit there in in this deviation. And for a guy like me who has this, this excessive pelvic tilt already... Doing an exercise that contributes or makes uh, or works on my my deviation at the same time helps build my quads oh, is a fucking win all day. Mm-hmm. And I I don't I'm not I know I'm not alone on that. Lower cross syndrome is by far the most dominant condition that everybody is not everybody but majority of people are suffering from. So a movement that promotes you having to activate the glutes that's designed for the quads mm-hmm. but forces your glutes to have to stay activated through the movement in order to perform it with good form is such a double win for me. And then again like it it trumps the leg extension. So that me that has to be in my opinion probably one of the most underrated exercises that I never see anybody do in the gym. In fact, when I see it, I almost know you you're running maps. I normally will walk over to somebody and be like, "Hey, you're running the maps program." It's it's a move. I've never seen anybody else. Program. It requires a, a certain level of skill and strength. So you can't just you don't you don't have a beginner do a sissy squat. But if you're strong, and you've got healthy knees and you're stable, that exercise will blow your legs up. Like I mean, I remember the first time I so I I got it from Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding, and in in the original version, not the not the new version that you'll see now, and in that old original version, he put bodybuilders. So each it, it comes in sections. So like there's a shoulder section, a chest uh, section, an arm section. And what Arnold did, which I love, is he put bodybuilders who were known for those body parts in those sections, right? So back was all Franco. Franco Colombo is doing all the back exercises. Why? Because Franco was known for having incredible lats and incredible back. Well, Tom Platts is the guy that he used for all the leg exercises. Tom Platts has also he's got he's got incredible legs, ridiculous legs, ridiculous performance and strength, 
but his mobility in his lower body was incredible. And so he's demonstrating these sissy squats with this insane exaggerated range of motion. And so that's the way I learned how to do them. And I remember the first time I did them, I was like, whoa, this is this is pretty insane. <laughs> I love the old this. school exercises. I love the old school exercises because they're hard and they fucking work. They build a lot of muscle. A barbell hack squat is another one. A barbell oh, yeah. hack squat... You'll never see anybody do them in the gym. Yeah. They're awkward and difficult to do, but do some barbell hack squats with something underneath your heels and watch what happens to your quads. It's insane. It feels like it's a silly exercise, and all you, all you need is a barbell to do it. That's another, that's one of, another We did one a of YouTube favorites. on that. We did a we YouTube did. on both those. So we did. If you guys don't know what those movements are, you can go to the YouTube channel yeah. and, and look at both of them, but... The, the, the sissy squat, I'd never seen the sissy squat before you. Never. I, I had uh. never seen it. I'd never seen anybody perform it. I'd never heard of it. I don't remember that in the, and I had the Arnold encyclopedia. That's funny. I just don't remember seeing it Maybe in Maybe you didn't go through Yeah, I don't even second. know any, all, all, except for like the Arnold press, which I love, you know, just because it added rotation into a shoulder press, which, you know, I I hadn't seen anybody really doing that except for in the functional world. Uh, you know, it, it was always this fixed position, 90 degree mm -hmm. extension, uh, which even then you'd see in all the certifications, you know, going forward too, which used to piss me off. Well, so. we've we've incorporated a lot of these in a lot of like I'll tell you another one that I love to do that I never see or not should never I've seen this before very rare though I see this is a circus press and that was incorporated in our strong mm -hmm. that's an old school fucking yep. very old school yep. movement and you want to talk about something like the core strength that you have to have to press a hundred pound dumbbell or whatever uh -huh. over, over your head and that full range of I motion. I'm talking about bodybuilding though because that's old strongman like well, lifts that's, that's totally that's, different that's still, back then that's what they were I yeah mean, the old bodybuilding movements were taken from old strongman yeah that, that's where a lot of them originated hmm. um oh, aren't, yeah, aren't, bent press and, and all stuff like that oh, i love that bent press is a great lift uh the, you know windmills a great windmills, exercise that you don't see much but if we're talking straight aesthetics and sculpting i mean here's another one a, 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 a incline uh, lateral raise this is where you lay on your side on an incline bench and you do a lateral raise and the dumbbell comes to the front of your body this was a favorite among bodybuilders like serge nubray um, and Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger did this one a lot. You don't see this one very often. And the reason why I like it so much, the thing about a regular lateral raise is the weight is the heaviest at the top of the movement because that's when you're fighting gravity directly. What that also means is at the bottom of the movement, the first you know, 12 inches of the movement, there's barely any resistance because you're lifting the dumbbells from your sides out to your sides. And really, you don't start fighting gravity until you come out about you know, 12 to 24 inches. Well, when you put your body on an incline bench, you're changing where the resistance is uh, hardest. And the resistance becomes hard at the bottom of the rep where it's typically the easiest. So if all your lateral raises are done with dumbbells standing up tall, switch it to a, an incline bench where you're laying on your side and watch how crazy this feels. You, yeah. you, you really hit the delt in a way that you don't normally hit it. Right. That's one of my other favorites. And then here's a basic one that I never see anybody do, but I wish they would. And that's a just a reverse curl. A reverse curl with an easy curl bar um, it hits the brachialis, uh, which is a muscle underneath the bicep. That's, you know, the only time people ever hit it is when they do a hammer curl, which people don't do a lot of. Um, and that muscle does contribute quite a bit to your ability to pull. And also when you flex your arm, if you want your muscle to look really full, you want to have a very developed brachialis. But then it also develops a part of the forearm called the brachioradialis muscle, which is at the top of the forearm. It's this really, really meaty part of your form. It's not the flexor, so it doesn't curl your wrist down. But what it does do is it does help flex your elbow, especially when your hand 
is either uh, pronated or neutral. Now, why is that important? Well, fuck, you do a barbell row or a dumbbell row or any kind of a row where you're pulling someone to you, you want a strong brachioradialis muscle. And nobody trains that. That's a reverse curl. Put your thumb under the bar, do that, and you get these really nice, uh, you know, uh, well-developed arms as a result. Here's another one. Uh, Overhead shrugs. You guys ever do overhead shrugs? That's a great one. That one fucks your traps up like nothing (laughs) else. Put a barbell or dumbbells above your head, arms straight, and then shrug your shoulders. Totally different than... And it it really helps strengthen that top stability, uh, that that top part of the shoulder press stability that... Well, before machines, this is how a lot of these guys change the strength curve. And change all the angles, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now, now a lot of people default to... The machines, because you can, in a machine that we can simulate all the different strength curves, but back before there were all these cool machines, you had to come up with creative ways to change the the strength curve and doing like an overhead shrug, like you'd have to do that, like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have an option anywhere else. And that's also the portion of a rep that a lot of people neglect with shoulder press, especially bodybuilders. Bodybuilders tend to stop their shoulder presses about two inches short at the top and they Mm -hmm. develop these kind of pumping motions. Um, so developing that, you know, like overhead carries help work that as well, but developing that, that top portion of strength, it'll contribute to your overhead press. It'll contribute to your bench press, you know, all your presses. Um, last exercise I want to touch on, not necessarily a movement that people don't do anymore, but people don't do it enough. Um, and it used to be a staple exercise. It used to be a movement. In fact, if you go back in the forties and fifties, it was one of the exercises that bodybuilders used to test their strength. So they would use overhead press was one of them, bent press that was even before that, uh, you know, a squat, you know, a deadlift. But bodybuilders used to do a lot of pullovers, lots of pullovers, barbell pullovers, not just the dumbbell version, but the barbell version. Now this is an important exercise because can you think of any other exercise that takes a weight and moves it in that? kind of direction that we do with traditional exercises. No, no. We don't do a whole lot of that stuff. Strengthens, of course, the lats, works the pecs, the serratus anterior, which is an important stabilizer of your your scapula. So those are, there's, there's some movements right there. I would love to do like a series of of exercises that people have kind of forgotten about. Yeah, the long-lost uh, gems that are in the gym. Well, Absolutely. Al- almost all the ones that you guys have named, we've we've done. We do, on, yeah, yeah. On the YouTube video. Yeah. We just haven't put it together like in a series. Mm-hmm. Next question is from Nicholas J. Wells. Thoughts on calisthenics over bodybuilding-style weightlifting? Oh, Justin's happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you do when you're doing movements, you can break them down into two categories. Uh, open chain movements and closed chain movements. So an open chain movement would be moving your hand or your foot away from your body and it's not fixed. So that's a dumbbell. Uh, That would be like a leg press or something like that. Closed chain movement is where your hand is in a fixed position. So it's the difference between a push-up and a bench press, for example. Bench press, open chain, push-up, closed chain. Now, why is this an important thing to know? Well, because both require a a specific type of skill with Mm. your strength. And neglecting one over the other is probably probably taking away from your ability to build muscle and develop strength. That's my that's my strong, uh, absolute strong opinion. I think doing calisthenic type movements in combination with bodybuilding style movements is the ideal way to do resistance training. Yeah. I don't think one is better than the other. Yeah. I would totally agree with that. I think um, they definitely contribute well. Uh, they pair well with each other. And 
you know, they get different, be- you get different benefits out of them. Uh, you do build muscle, uh, you know, even just doing calisthenics, but for the most part, most of the benefit of it is, um, you know, the, the proprioception, the body awareness, the neuromuscular connection that you establish, um, just solidifying stability amongst your joints. Um, and so, so think of it like, now, if I have like a more stable joint and I could produce more force intrinsically, which is what you really learn, like going through calisthenics as to how to control your body and now apply that into, you know, a loaded position, uh, you're just going to do way better. And so I, I tend to, especially if I see any sort of dysfunction or I see any sort of, um, you know, obvious like imbalance or anything like that, I like to, I like people to then kind of come back and revisit uh, more calisthenic mm-hmm. type training. So I feel like that's the the easy answer for us to say is that we agree because that both are valuable. Mm-hmm. But what if we only could do one? What if you said that you have to choose one or the other and which one do you think has more carryover into the other one? And if, if we had to position it like that, hmm. I would say bodybuilding has more carryover to the calisthenics than calisthenics has carryover into bodybuilding. Really? Yeah, because if you have somebody who has worked their way up to, they've never done calisthenics. Say they've never done bodyweight push-ups or done anything like that before, and they go and they get their bench press up to 315 or higher, they're going to be able to get down and do fucking 50 to 100 push-ups, no problem. Yeah. But if you work your way up to doing 500 push-ups, you may never bench 315. Sure. So- I think that the the bodybuilding has more weight if we look at general strength and building of physique. I think if you talk about overall health, though, and what serves most people, to Justin's point, because a lot of people have dysfunction and they're not they're not like anatomically uh, positioned great. So then you put that person in a bodybuilding situation and you may uh, make the situation worse. Where working on body weight control could actually contribute and make that situation better i think that's the only time i would say that calisthenics would trump bodybuilding See, here's now i thought but a you lot could also build sculpt you could also sculpt to fix your imbalance you can't and i thought i thought a lot about this i recently wrote an article on uh, on body weight training for advanced uh, trainees and the i had realized that i wasn't considering the full gamut of body weight exercises like, like single legs stuff i, and, I mean there's yeah. things you could do with rings um, one arm stuff that you could do, uh, one legged stuff that you can do. That's extremely fucking challenging. Now, here's the key. Now, if I had to pick one or the other, I'd pick bodybuilding style only because it requires less skill. The the hardcore calisthenic stuff requires a ridiculous amount of skill. Like, it takes way more skill to do a handstand push up than it does to press your body weight above your head. Right. Now, that being said, if you could do a handstand push up you're probably healthier and more fit and more stable in your shoulders than if you could do an overhead press with your body weight. And that was my point to Justin's point, which is I think for overall health, if you have someone who got great at calisthenics, that's going to serve you better than being great at bodybuilding. So, I mean, it just depends on who I'm having this debate with. They develop different looking bodies a little bit. And this this is anecdote, so there's no science to support this. But if I think of someone that's extremely strong with calisthenics, Versus someone who's very, very strong with bodybuilding. The bodybuilder is going to look bigger, have bigger muscles, all that stuff. But the calisthenic person is going to look very chiseled, yeah. put together, and they're going to be very oh, muscular no too. No question. I think aesthetic-wise, it's going to be you're going to see a massive difference between the two styles. Um, I think that um, in terms of like bodybuilding, you're going to get a lot of segmented, you know, joint-specific strength. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of like um, you know isolated. 
types of strengths that are uniquely, you know, based off bodybuilding skills. Right. You can have versus dope rear delts that you'll yeah. never build really from doing fucking not. Right. So you'll get that benefit yeah. from it. But at the same time, on the calisthenic side, like your whole body just performs better if you were to put apples to apples on. Um, some t- you know, some type of a, a sporting event or challenge that you use your whole body towards. Uh, so from from that aspect, I I, th- I feel like if I were to choose one versus the other, do I want to uh, apply this training towards uh, you know some type of rigorous activity, yeah. or do I just want to look awesome? Look, you it, know, and live yeah, it, long. It matters the goal, right? Yeah. The goal yeah. is so important to the answer to this question. Like, if you're somebody who comes to me and you're like Adam, I just want to be in the best health healthy shape of my life i'm thinking about either only doing bodybuilding or only doing calisthenics where do i where do i direct that person well i'm probably going to direct you to calisthenics that it's makes- just the skill is so high with it like the average person could you do a lot of calisthenics you'd be very limited right weights i could modify mm. the fuck out of them i could right, grab yeah. five pound dumbbells i could change the, the the form if you have injuries or whatever calisthenics you kind of got to be able to do that. I mean, you can modify them as well quite a bit, but there's a lot of skill involved with the you have advanced. To get really creative. Yeah, uh, and but yeah, you're not taking a, a you're not taking some. You could take okay. Let's take a, a deconditioned fifty year old fifty five year old client that walks in the door, never lifted weights at all, and you there's no way you would do a bunch of calisthenic exercises with them. No, because you would know that they would have all this dysfunction that they've had. Unless for you're using a tool like a TRX or something like that, where you know you're using your angles accordingly to their skill set but yeah it's it's more tricky and it's more creative on that end of the spectrum for sure like you have to get a little bit more uh you know uh like creative with it yeah well speaking of trx you just bring that up right now that we have our our maps anywhere program right now relaunch yeah all redone yes yeah so that's exciting. A little bit of a facelift. And we no. put a bunch of, we have a whole like bonus series of TRX or suspension training, I should Still say. Still the old school videos. Yeah. You uh, gotta, you, but you, Adam was looking well, pretty, just, just for the TR, pretty sharp. I'm just for honest. the TRX, we did those bonus videos. We kept those because yeah. we shot those professionally. Those are nice yeah. videos. But all the other videos are completely redone, new blueprints. So if you Those own, ones are done, yeah. If you own the program already, you guys get that absolutely for free. So go check your your li- your library yeah. when you get a chance. You'll see that you'll see the <laughs> little gift in your library. That's right. You'll see all the new stuff. If you don't, then those people, you know, those that ha- have not purchased it, it's fifty percent off this all month, month, which is long. awesome. You know, I do want to say one thing. One of the the I guess uh, detriments or uh, weaknesses of calisthenics that I've always seen is lower body training. Now, not saying that you can't train your lower body and get it strong with things like pistol squats and stuff like that, but you ain't, you're not going to develop lots of strength and power in your lower body like you can with barbells. It just it just doesn't work. So if you're like, like an athlete, like a football yeah, it's, player. It's hard to really add you know load and demand uh, yeah. in, in, with body weight. But upper body stuff, man, you can get fucking heavy with calisthenics. You get a pair of rings. You start suspending your body and hang yeah. and go upside down and do weird shit. Right. I mean, uh, gymnasts, you ever seen the upper body of a high-level gymnast? Oh, it's ridiculous. They look like amateur bodybuilders. You yep. know what I'm saying? Next question is from Jackie D. Smith. How do you feel about the deceptive marketing that gyms use to get people in the door? How about sales reps being able to cut certain people deals and waiving charges because the manager allowed it? Do you think there is <laughs> a better, happens. less deceitful way of marketing for a gym? I think that's all changing. Oh man, yeah. how are you going to keep doing that? Olden days, huh? Yeah, that was the old days. That's not. I mean, it's you sure, can't get away with that shit. No, anymore. you can't. It's just everything is. I was yesterday. I told you guys I was out uh, seeing Jason. 
or a buddy at, at the car dealership, even car dealerships, which is notorious for this. This is where it came from. It came oh, from yeah. selling cars, right? The gym, that's what uh, 24 Hour Fitness really started this in the fitness industry. They were the first ones to really evolve the sales game in fitness. And that came from the car dealerships. And car dealerships even now have gotten rid of this. It's everything is so trans oh, wow. transparent. Oh yeah. Like the internet so, changed it all. Yeah. The internet has changed everything. He's like, they can go even like you. So the big place, if those that don't know where car dealerships make a lot, used to make a lot of money was get trade-ins. A guy like me trades mm. his Denali in and wants a new one. I think it's worth somewhere between 15, 25 grand. Well, they yeah. lowball the fuck out of me and then they sell it for 10 grand more. They make huge margins on that. But yet the, the brand new vehicles, there's so much information out there, you couldn't manipulate the price. Even used vehicles now, mm. they go by whatever I input my car's worth, Kelly Blue Book, whatever. They'll they'll get you know basically a 500 to to $1,000 margin on it and that's all they make yep. because everything is out in the open now. Gyms are the same way too. Yeah, yeah. back when I, when I first started selling you know memberships and that kind of stuff, I mean, sales guys would blow people out the door. I mean, if you came in during these days when it was real competitive – the not so great sales guys. If you didn't want to buy a membership, they were like, "Well, you're going to leave pissed off. Then I'm going to sit here. I'm going to hammer on you." <laughs> yeah. This is true. Yeah. They would brag about it. They were going to they were going to hammer on you and pressure you to buying a membership. And if you would have to get up pissed off and walk out, and they didn't even care, right? Whatever. Fuck it. I'll get the next one. Well, if you do that nowadays, they go to Yelp or they go online, yeah. and you're fucked right away. Yeah. So it's, this this whole thing is is completely changing. I remember when it changed at 24. When I first started at 24 Fitness, we actually had flexibility with uh, with with the pricing of the memberships. We had the ability to lower them a little bit. Yeah, waive enrollment fees and do all kinds of even, stuff. Even more than that, we had the ability to add more. I used to be able to yeah. if I wanted- giving people barbecue sets. Yeah, I used to- <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I almost got That's one of my favorite off. stories. Yeah. Anyway. We used to be able to- Add the, uh, to the price. So if, yeah. if I have my price and I knew it was $100 to enroll and I sold it for $200 to enroll, I got commissioned on $200. So we used to have that kind of flexibility. And I remember when it when it changed. And it was shortly after I started there. So it was probably 1999 that it changed where then they said, here's your pricing. There is no raising. There is no lowering. This is your rate. You can't change it. That's it. Um, and, and that was that. And I think that they were smart when they did that because they could foresee – you know what was what was happening in the future. Listen, here's the deal: if you're in sales and you rely on you know waving prices and you know great deals and this is you know today's the last day and all, and that's what you rely on, you're a shitty salesperson. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You're just not good. Weak. Yeah, that that is a sales tactic. It is a marketing tactic. Obviously, companies have sales and promotions and they do end and all that other stuff. It creates urgency. But it, exactly. But if you have no value. And that's what you rely upon. I remember sales guys like this in the in the gym business. I destroy them because that's all they knew how to do. That's mm-hmm. all they knew how to do. Was- well, as consumers, we've been trained this way too. Mm-hmm. So you you got to give a little bit of a break on the the salespeople and in these jobs. Like we as consumers are taught to do what? I mean, what's the number one day to go shopping? Oh yeah. yeah. Why is that? Why can we predict this yeah. year? Why can we predict this year in a couple weeks it's now? It's a good deal. Black Friday. Because we're all going for a deal, right? Mm-hmm. We're all heading for a deal. So to tell a company or expect a company not to use those strategies to close people, I don't think that's fair either. 
I think that that's no, not not that you don't use it, but if you're a salesperson, right. That's what you. That's all. That's what you rely on. That's and I agree. You, and I yeah. agree with you on that, right? Like it's about building value, right? So it, it always comes down to two things when a purchase happens. I used to teach this to my sales guys: it's value and price. If you didn't sell it, it's because you didn't create enough value for the price that you were trying to sell it for. Mm. And the the easy route is to drop the price. The better route, though, is to always increase the value. And so if you can't increase the value and your only way of selling something is to drop the price, you're a weak salesman. That's what I would. That's what I agree yeah. with you, Sal. But from a consumer that gets mad at all this stuff, that it's deceptiveness, and it's like, fuck, we, we've, we've created that for ourselves. We yeah. flock to the sales. If, we, if no one went out on Black Friday and we shut it all down and everyone boycotted it, Companies wouldn't use their well, strategy. Most of the time, people that get mad about it are the ones that didn't like haggle a deal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're just shitty at it. <laughs> you know, I'm all mad about yeah. it. Yeah. Go go to any any store with an old Sicilian. Let me tell you, they will find. <laughs> they will haggle. But you're yeah. right, Sal. I mean, this is this is this is over, man. Yeah, this yeah. this this era of of in waiving enrollment fees. Because you're right. If you go on, I mean, now companies prioritize Yelp. So much, so much that I, you know, I, I know people that when they have a business, I've done this for people like, you know, favors or friends. Could you please go leave a, leave a review on my, on my business? Yep. Because somebody came on there and gave me a, a bad review, right? Like it's, people are so concerned about that because before we go buy a product nowadays, you Google it, mm -hmm. you Google it, you Yelp it. Like I'm not going to go buy something in, until I find out like if that's a, if it's great, if other people think it's great too. So if you give somebody a shitty experience and part of that shitty experience is haggling them with sales, they're going to go back on Yelp and they're going to talk shit about it. I just remember, I just remembered when I was a, uh, a kid, I went to the grocery shopping with my grandfather. Only time I ever went grocery shopping with him and he were, he's buying vegetables and as he's buying them, he pulls out a pair of uh, like scissors and I'm like, and I'm like, why do you have? He pulls oh, out his, wow. and he he's cutting off the stems of the vegetables and stuff. I'm like, why are you? And so I asked him. I said, no, no. I said, why are you cutting off the stems? He goes, to weighs it. Yeah, because they weigh it. He's like, I'm not paying for the stems. <laughs> so he cut off the stems. Like, how much money are you saving by cutting off? Oh you know, my like god, 10, 15 cents yeah. at the end of the day. You but know what I mean? no, it man, adds up. He'd fucking cut the leaves off oh and cut the stems god. off so he could save That's money. That's hilarious. Yeah, talking about bartering. Oh, how I've, funny is that? I've shit? never it's seen school, that before, bro. It's, no. Yeah. When I was a kid, my grandma was notorious for taking. Stickers off of other things and putting on the thing that Michelle used to be so. Oh, that's just straight gangster. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Imagine I'm like an eight year old kid. I'm in line. I watched my grandma take the like forty percent off sticker uh, off of something else and put it on that. And then when the guy goes, "No, that that's not right. It shouldn't be that the product, the SKU number is right here. It's on there." Now it should be like arguing in front of like, <laughs> "Oh my god, I know oh what she god. did." Like, that's hilarious. So embarrassed. But then you're so like funny. an eight year old kid. You're like, "Fuck it, go, grandma. Yeah, you know, let's, get, <laughs> let's get out of here." Yeah. You know what I used to tell my salespeople when I would so when I would hire a new salespeople, one of my favorite things to communicate, just like you said, Adam, with value and price, is I would tell them, I'd say, and I would always use a pen as an example. I don't know why I did, but I'd, I'd pull a pen off my desk and I'd say, would you spend $10,000 for this pen? And the salesperson mm. would say, no, I, I wouldn't. I'd say, what if this pen could write out the winning lottery numbers for you? Would you spend $10,000? And they said, well, yeah. And I'd say, you'd find the money right away, wouldn't you? You'd come back in five minutes. I'd say, yeah. I said, what's the difference? The difference is there's way more value in a pen that writes the winning lottery numbers. I said, so the, the, the trick here is when we're selling fitness, you have to learn how to build a lot of value. Now, what are you really selling? Access to a gym? No, that's not what anybody's getting. Access to this gym is worth 
whatever the market competitors are charging and we got to charge less. You're selling the dream, man. You're selling them a fit and healthy lifestyle. What comes along with that? And then we would sit there and I'd have them list all the things that change with about your life when you're more fit and you're more healthy. And at the end of it, I'd say, now how much is that worth? And we would always say, well, it's, it's, there's really no limit to how much it's worth. And so when, you know, when, when, when sales, that's, that's the point I'm trying to make is when salespeople rely on the price and this and that, you're just a shitty salesperson. You're not building enough value. You're not doing a good enough job communicating the value of whatever you're trying to sell. And if you're, Whatever you're trying to sell doesn't have that much value, uh, and you don't believe in it. You probably should I'm try selling yeah, something. I'm else. such different a products sucker, a sucker for good salesmen, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You, <laughs> I'm such a yeah. Katrina makes fun of me every time, dude. If we're somewhere just and get closed, and like we'll buy something, and she's like, "You're not even gonna fucking use that. You just bought it because the guy guy did good job." Yeah. <laughs> I, said, I, know, I know. I've actually yeah. told people that before. I know. I just I, I've actually like, told. I appreciate oh, it. Like no? if you if you convinced me to buy something that I didn't yeah. think I wanted or needed, and you built the value well enough, like yeah. you're so passionate about this blank. Yeah, I'm gonna contribute. Ah, it is funny when you think about it, though, because like, what's the average? Because the gym gym memberships today are cheap as dirt uh, compared to how they used to. I, I used to sell gym memberships 45, 50 bucks a month. <clears throat> today, the same kind of memberships like twenty. Yeah, and that's because all of them started to do this little price war, and so the perceived value of a gym membership has now decreased. Uh-huh. But I think it's insane. People spend how much on their cell phones every month? Two hundred bucks. 150, 200, 300 bucks. You know, the average gym charges 20 bucks, 30 bucks. It's crazy where we've gone. And a lot of that has to do with exactly this. People just, they're just trying to lower the price and not really build the value. And I agree and with that. Like. I think yeah. I, this will be a fun conversation to have with uh, Mastroff when he comes back. I would back love in. to have this conversation Ooh. with Yeah, because I, I agree with, I mean, how weird is that, that everything else prices increased? Yeah. More more money, more income, more everything. Inflation's happened across the board, but then why is it in the gym industry? Yeah, it's been this We've seen cutting this. everywhere. Right. And because nobody's, va- because we're not, they're not valuing it. We're not selling it the right way and people aren't using them because let's yeah. be honest, the average person has a membership and never even uses right. the gym. So, And that's that. Look, if you go to mindpumpfree.com, you can check out guides that we have that are absolutely free. Some of them teach you how to squat more weight, uh, work on your midsection, build better arms, burn body fat. I believe there's 11 or 12 guides that they're all free. Just go to mindpumpfree.com, check them out. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.